Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors. Liquidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. And also brought to you by ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And of course, also brought to you by PolicyPack Software, now part of Networks where you use group policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Another week, another nasty zero-day vulnerability. This one was disclosed publicly by security researcher Abdelhamid Nasseri, who actually reported a vulnerability as part of the Microsoft Bug Bounty program that was listed as CVE-2021-41379, and which was actually patched with the November patches. But Nasseri subsequently discovered an even worse vulnerability in machines with the most up-to-date patches that allows threat actors with limited access to a compromised device to easily elevate their privileges to help spread laterally within the network. He's also provided an exploit for the vulnerability, and this vulnerability affects Windows 10, Windows 11, and Windows Server operating systems. BleepyComputer.com reported the reason for disclosing this publicly instead of going to Microsoft with it and allowing them to get it patched before disclosure was born out of frustration. They reported that the bug bounty has been lowered from $10,000 to $1,000. Furthermore, Nasri explained that while it is possible to configure group policies to prevent standard users from performing MSI installer operations, His zero-day bypasses this policy and will work anyway. Just a note, but I wonder if PolicyPack Least Privilege Manager would save the day here. And it provides a relatively easy way to combat this and keep your environment functioning. Just a guess, I haven't tried it out, obviously. The actual advice given is to wait until Microsoft has a patch available, which, at least at the time of this recording, is not available right now. It may not be available until the next Patch Tuesday. So, happy Thanksgiving, everyone in America. I guess at least you don't have to rush out a patch over the holiday. Unfortunately, you may be sitting ducks over the holiday. It may get called in if someone gets an exploit weaponized over the next few hours. Over multiple previous episodes, I covered the saga of Microsoft breaking printing on Windows 10 with updates. Well, they fixed it and then broke it again. Then they patched that again, but it didn't fix the problems. Well, BleepyComputer.com reports that Microsoft has released an optional patch, KB5007253, and that's a preview cumulative update for Windows 10 2004, Windows 10 20H2, Windows 10 21H1, and Windows 10 21H2. Microsoft claims this updated fix should fix the network printing issues that were causing the error ending in 6E407C or 709. 
The KB5007253 cumulative update preview is part of Microsoft's September 2021 monthly C update that allows admins to test fixes coming as part of the December 2021 patch Tuesday. So if you don't want to try out the preview, it sounds like it's likely going to be in the December patches. In an update to a story I covered on last week's episode about a Google Cloud service disruption causing disruptions to many popular sites and services such as Spotify, Etsy, Pokemon Go, and more, well, Google have published a root cause disclosure. The register reports that the crux of the issue stemmed from a bug introduced six months ago into the configuration pipeline that propagates customer configuration rules to their global load balancer. The bug itself permitted a race condition that in very rare cases could push a corrupted config file to the load balancer and dodge the validation checks in the pipeline. Apparently, they were in the process of patching the bug on servers when it tripped on a set of unpatched servers and caused the outage. As stated last week, this outage was relatively brief. The 404 errors should have resolved for most in just over 30 minutes and customers were able to make config changes again within two hours. BleepyComputer.com have reported that this week, GoDaddy warned that 1.2 million customers' data was breached after hackers gained access to the company's managed WordPress-hosted environment. GoDaddy states hackers gained access with a compromised password for their managed provider instance of WordPress. They will be contacting all impacted customers directly with specific details. Customers can also contact them via GoDaddy Help Center, which includes phone numbers based on country. ZDNet this week reports that Microsoft have made a free Windows 11 virtual machine available for developers. The VM contains Windows 11 Enterprise in evaluation mode, Windows 10 SDK version 2004, Visual Studio 2019, with the UWP.NET Desktop and Azure Workflows enabled and includes the Windows Template Studio extension. Visual Studio Code is in there. Windows Subsystem for Linux enabled with Ubuntu installed. Developer Mode enabled and Windows Terminal installed. According to Microsoft, these virtual machines will expire on the 1st of September 2022. Although, you know, maybe it's the American date which would be the 9th of January, 2022. I'm not entirely sure. 9th of January does not seem like a whole lot of time though. Microsoft has made downloads available for VMware, Hyper-V, VirtualBox, and Parallels versions of the virtual machine, and they can all be downloaded directly from Microsoft. On last week's episode of the podcast, I covered that Amazon AppStream 2 added support for Amazon Linux 2. Well, recently, the AWS team posted about Elastic Fleets combined with Linux instances and how they can lead to improved cost optimization by allowing customers to avoid incurring RDS license fees required for Microsoft Windows by instead selecting Linux instances for their AppStream 2 fleets, less maintenance and overhead as administrators no longer have to configure scaling policies in order to achieve cost optimization while maintaining availability, and simple Elastic pricing. Now customers can pay only when users are connected to their applications and not for idle instances. And while on the topic of AWS, they will be holding their online reInvent event starting December 1st. And there is a handy 
end user computing guide if EUC is your thing. And if it is not, there's also a whole slew of different sessions and topics worth checking out too. Nerdio have launched a Nerdio Valuable Professional program for tech enthusiasts, bloggers, and folks who operate in our space. NVPs will receive exclusive perks and access not limited to, but likely including Nerdio swag, early access to their new product roadmap before features are released, event tickets and discounts, and much more. They said that this year they are truly going big on delivering on their goal as the inaugural class of NVPs are invited to a free, all-expenses-paid trip to NerdioCon, which is their conference, and it will be happening on February 21st through 23rd in Cancun, Mexico. So if you fancy an all-expenses-paid trip to Cancun, Mexico in February, this could be worth the punt. And now, a weekly webinar. The festive tech calendar that I've mentioned on a couple of previous episodes of the podcast starts on December 1st. There will be a lot of great tech sessions throughout the month of December. As part of the event, some supporters are going to be running giveaways. For example, Avanad are giving away some awesome Lego sets to the person with the best festive talk, best use of Azure, and best overall talk. And also Control Up are giving away a Bose SoundLink Revolve 2 portable Bluetooth speaker for following them on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribing to their YouTube channel. I have decided to also get in on the action. The 5 Bytes podcast is an official supporter. I'm going to be running a competition and my giveaway is an Elgato Stream Deck and a Raspberry Pi 4 to one lucky person who subscribes to the show's YouTube channel, retweets a tweet about the show, and follows me on Twitter, which is really just so I can DM the winner. So in order to enter my competition, go to 5bytespodcast.com. You should see a link on the top of the episode guide. Click on that link, you'll get the full instructions, and you'll also get the portal or widget that allows you to input your information and also track that you're retweeting the tweet, um, following on Twitter, and all that good stuff in order to enter into the draw. Good luck, everyone. And now this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. The amazing Dennis Gunderev is back once again. I think I've featured him maybe the last two or three weeks with his really extensive Twitter threads about various different things like you know, explaining sessions on Windows and um, some info on the remoting protocols. Well, this week he had another thread, and this one was on how remoting protocols are capturing the graphics and if there's any difference. So I'd suggest not only checking out this thread, which I'll share on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 204, but also go back to the previous episodes like 203, 202, and click on the reference links and check out his previous threads too. You get to sit under the learning tree about Windows and also the RDP protocol. This week, I saw that Master Packager had posted a blog on MSIX and the current compatibility challenges, as well as how to spot these challenges and how to fix and overcome them. 
As they stayed in the blog though, unfortunately, it is difficult to spot apps with issues ahead of time, but they go over how you can use Master Packager to convert and validate your MSIX packages, and they also wax lyrical about just MSIX and some of the shortcomings that currently exist with Microsoft's approach. Sander Rosemuller posted a great blog post on installing WinGet applications using Microsoft Endpoint Manager by converting the packages to Intune Win for deployment. Pretty nifty and is something I'd actually consider doing too, so this saves me a lot of work. Kurt Shintaku shared an Excel trick that helps you to populate rows in Excel with contents from a single array stored in a single cell using a keyboard shortcut. It is hard to explain this one, so I suggest you check out the YouTube version of the podcast to see a video of how this works and what the keyboard shortcut is. And I'll share a link to the video with this episode again, episode 204, and you'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under YouTube. So I've featured a few of my like videos and blog posts and speaking sessions and stuff like that on the scripts, tricks, and tips in the past. I don't think I've ever shared a Twitter thread that I've created. So this week I had a very short thread. I think it was only two tweets where I was stating that in my 15 years of IT, something that I've learned is to avoid using features like there's one in MEM that allows you when creating a deployment to add in an additional script or modify a registry or maybe drop a file into a certain directory outside of the actual installer. So you can go into MEM, upload your package, but then additionally add something else in that will occur during the deployment. But that's not a good idea. It's better to contain everything required for the application to work and everything that's required to install or be delivered to the machine with the package. Because if you have to move to a different software deployment tool in future, Reverse engineering these additional add-ons put in through the deployment tool can be time-consuming. I worked on multiple projects that lasted many, many months just taking packages out of something like Inteo or Marimba in order to then deploy them in SCCM. So don't do it. And finally this week, Guy Leach shared a PowerShell script for ControlUp 8.6 that allows you to MSTSC, so to remote, to an Azure VM where you don't have a VPN in place. It creates and assigns public IP, adds the port rule for IP address where the console is running, runs MSTSC, and removes items when MSTSC exits. And all using a REST API, he says. So essentially a point in time exception to allow just that machine you're connecting from, RDP access in. So nice one, guy. Very cool. Well, it was a short episode this week. Not a whole lot of news. I did cut some news because the last few episodes have been pretty long. And I assume there's not major news because of the holiday in the U.S. So enjoy the shorter episode and I'll catch you all next week.